Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into his word. Let's jump right into today's message. Well, I do want to welcome those of you that are watching online, those of you that are listening on our podcast. Maybe it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. We, we want to encourage you uh, to go ahead, if you're ever in the Charlotte area, and visit us in person. We'll make you feel right at home. Won't we, Hope Covenant? Would you put your hands together and welcome our online listeners and viewers. I've got a message for you this morning called Fighting for a Generation. I don't know if you've watched the news. I'm sure you have. Uh, maybe you have news updates on your phone. It's funny. I was watching statistics about how much of uh, millennials and Gen Zers actually watch the news. You know, we've got updates on our phones now, so a lot of us don't do that. Um, but there is a lot of hiccups right now for a generation. Man, this is what a day to be raising a child as we did a baby dedication. We need to baptize this generation in prayer for sure. And I'm going to hit on that during this message. I believe, though that the Bible says that when things get dark in the end, because I believe we're living in the end times, that there is going to be an outpouring and there's going to be an end time harvest. And that's an encouraging word for you. If you're, if you're concerned, or maybe you're even worried, and I want to encourage you, worries connected to fear, so don't do that. But if you're looking around at the things around you and the day that we're living in, and it's giving you a little bit of anxiety, I want to encourage you that there's a move of God that is on its way, and I believe even here a little bit now, we're seeing trickles of it, that it's going to change the narrative. Can I get an amen from somebody who believes in the power of God? I'm so excited. I've got a word for you that you understand this today. You were designed and you were destined to live Right now, on purpose, it wasn't an accident that you weren't raised in the 50s or the 40s. That was designed by God. He knows what he's doing. And so as a church, we need to be fearless. We need to be prayed up. We need to be in his presence. We need to demonstrate his presence. And we do not need to worry. I heard somebody say to me this week, you know, I, I, I would not want to be a kid right now. And I went, well, that's because you're not supposed to be. But you know what? Kids right now are supposed to be kids right now. God has an appointed time for each of us, and you need to trust the hand of God on the person's life that's in the age bracket that they're in and living in the moment that God destined. Amen? So today is a family message. This is a, there's a generation that, that really wants us to fight for them. Those that have, have gone before us fighting for us, we need to fight for the generation that's behind us. Well, I want to give you guys some facts about this Generation Z, which is born in between the year of 1995 to 2015. It's currently, they're the age of 7 to 27. Gen Z is made up of, of one out of four Americans. 74 million people make up Gen Z. That's a lot of people. Two out of three Gen Zers are not going to church or are filing out the door of church. How many of you know we have a problem there? Gen Zers are twice as likely to become atheists as any generation that's gone before them. Only 3% of Gen Zers actually read the Bible, which actually I was surprised at how high that was. The average Gen Zer spends less, no less than four hours a day on their smartphones. So think about that. 
Only 3% of Gen Zers read the Bible, but they're spending four hours a day on their smartphones. Think about that. That sounds really bad. Lots of immediate reactions are probably just what mine was. We've got a problem. There's a lot of bad news that's surrounding this generation, but I want to give you some good news today. I want to propose to you today that instead of a huge problem, we have a huge opportunity. We need to step up and get involved in this generation. And my ask as your pastor is that we work on our perspective and potentially even our attitude that we can so easily have with this generation. I want to give you an example of just a personal moment that I had. I had a Gen Zer that was serving me at a local coffee shop that had a major attitude. Anybody ever met somebody that knows everything, yet they've had no life experience whatsoever? I know it's just me who runs into those people. And they contest the very godliness that is or is not within you. <laughs> and this, I was being tested by this know-it-all in this generation, and I was, I, was, I was going, oh, my Lord. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, remember, it's my kindness that leads them to repentance. So we have, an, we have a choice, okay? We have an opportunity. And I'll port to, remember, that's a Latin word that the tide is high. Two times a day, the tide would be high back in the day, and ships can come in and out of port. I don't want to miss the moment that I have that I could reach a generation that desperately needs an encounter with God. So let's not think about ourselves. We've got to think about this generation and be kind and be loving because remember, to whom much is given, much is required. Amen? So I want to take a look at Nehemiah, and I want to set this up before we go there so that you understand this is, this is, it isn't the last book in the Old Testament, but chronologically it is. This is the last story in history before Jesus in the New Testament. So the story of Nehemiah was a season where Israel was taken into, into Babylonian captivity. This was a 70-year period of, of where Israel was completely decimated. In my opinion, it kind of gives a modern-day picture of our country and the world. The walls were torn down, and this is very interesting because walls were always a symbol of good systems, values, and traditions that were decimated in, in, in the nation of Israel. So Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king in Babylon. His, his nation is, is decimated but he gets close to the king in, in Babylon during this captivity, which is, by the way, it's modern-day Iran and Iraq. Nehemiah had favor in the king's palace, and Nehemiah was a Jewish man who made an appeal to the king that he wanted to go home and rebuild his country, and the king granted him that request. The king allowed Nehemiah to go back out of Babylon, back to his nation. I want to propose to you, Today, church, that we need the spirit of Nehemiah, that we would rebuild and see the need and with boldness go to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and say, Father, I need you. Here am I. Send me. Big difference between here I am. Send me. Here am I. Send me. You hear the difference? Like, not I've arrived, I'm your man, but Lord, I'm willing and I'm able to be your man or your woman if you choose to use me. Big difference in posture. But I want to propose to you today, church, that we need the spirit of Nehemiah, that we could rebuild all that is lost and reach this generation in this world for Jesus Christ. I hope Nehemiah inspires you as much as he inspires me. When Nehemiah got back to his country, he looked and basically said, man, the optics of this are not good. 
You know, I flipped on the news this morning, and I'm looking at Ukraine, and I just started weeping for this nation. As I'm looking at these people, uh, I'm seeing high-rise uh, apartments and, and townhomes, I guess, whatever they call them, condominiums. And there's just these huge holes blown in the side of this building. And I'm looking and I'm going, my God, we need a move of the Spirit so bad. We need Jesus bad. We need the power of God demonstrated right now. And I want to tell you this, that I, I, I'm praying my guts out right now in private. Lord, just go ahead. I need you to move on this nation. I need you to move on these people. And if you notice that the tough times in Ukraine, it seems like it's only making those people stronger as they're being interviewed on the news. There's such strength in turmoil that happens. And I want to say this to you, for those of you that are in this room, that you're experiencing a challenge or you're experiencing a turmoil, maybe it's an inner turmoil, that there's amazing strength that happens in moments of war or warfare. So when the enemy comes against you, you can get stronger when you lean into God. Prophetic word, this is a lean into God moment that we're in. A generation needs us to lean into Holy Spirit to be Spirit-led. The most impacting moments of my life were moments where my mom or my dad would discern something from the Lord and tell me everything that happened during my day. It would happen to me on the rig. Inevitably, if I was ever in the wrong place at the wrong time, my mama knew. And I would come home and she would say, well, Holy Spirit, and I'd go, oh, Holy Spirit. You know, I, I love the Holy Spirit, but when I was a kid, it was like the Holy Spirit would speak to my mom about things. And she would sit there and prophesy, and she was never wrong. That's, that's New York for never wrong. <laughs> Nehemiah 4, verse 14. So I'm setting this up for you. It says, after I looked things over, so Nehemiah got back to his nation and looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid. Everybody say, don't be afraid. I want to say this to you as you're looking at things going on in nations around us, nations overseas, do not be afraid. That wasn't a question mark. It wasn't a maybe. It's a do not be afraid. There is no room for a spirit of fear. I want to say this, that the more and more you fear the Lord is the less and less you'll deal with fear. The two don't go together. We need to get rid of any fear of what things currently look like if we're going to raise up a generation that's fearless and godly. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families. Everybody say, fight for my family. Your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Men, I want to say this as you're messing around with sin it's time to fight for your home it's time to get things it's time to be sober minded and get out of anything that's going wrong between you and God get it out of your life don't feel any condemnation okay don't just get right repent get things right because you have a responsibility as the head of your home you need to take that mantle seriously and the same for you moms you got to take that mantle seriously pray for your husbands pray for them bless them I believe this generation wants us to fight for them. There was a recent study that was done with middle school and high school students, and it was framed like this. It was a survey that was put out, and it says, I wish my parents knew dot, 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 and then they were asked to fill in the blank. And this is the survey. These were the results right here. I wish my parents knew, even though my actions don't always show it, I desperately want to please them. 
I wish my parents knew how much I love them, even though I don't always say it. I wish my parents knew how much I treasured their advice, even when I acted like I couldn't care less. I wish my dad knew how much I loved holding his hand, even when I act like it embarrassed me in front of my friends. I wish my parents knew when they wouldn't let me date a guy and I acted mad, I was actually really thankful they were fighting for me because he turned out to be an abusive jerk. I wish my parents knew instead of threatening to punish me, I needed them to do it. Are you hearing the cry right there of a generation who's like, I need this generation to fight for me. I need you to be more involved. I wish my parents knew when I saw them fight all the time, it really messed me up. I wish my parents knew their words impacted me more than any others. Things they, they didn't remember saying have actually changed my life. I wish my parents knew that I wish I could be more open with them about my mistakes. I wish my parents knew the evils I faced every day. I wish my parents knew the fear I hide behind my rebellion. Wish my parents knew how hard it is to stay pure. I want to share with you briefly about a corporate strategy for reaching this generation of children and students, and then I'll continue with our personal responsibility, each one of us. But I want to share with you what Hope Covenant is doing to invest in this generation and what our plan is. Number one is we just launched children's ministry, and so that's, that's the first thing is we're going to reach them when they're really young. We're going to have them go into the back and have an encounter with God. And then when they come back to you, they can tell you all about the things of God that they just learned, and hopefully not just learned and were taught, but that they caught it, that they caught the Holy Spirit that, that really changed them forever, that they can't wait to get here next week and go, oh man, I can't wait to see Pastor Cindy because she leads me to Jesus. It's not about Pastor Cindy, it's about Jesus. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. Number two is Pastors Karen and Laurel have launched youth ministry, and that's already growing. Thank you, Jesus. And you guys are doing a great job Wednesday night, 6.30, yes? <laughs> Good. I shouldn't be, I should have that in my head. 6.30 every Wednesday. And, uh, and they're, they're going to continue to blow it up back there. It's going to be amazing. They're going to reach, I believe you guys are going to have high school students and middle school students that are going to come from even other churches, because I know you guys are doing an amazing job back there. And then we're getting ready to, we're putting together a plan for college ministry. Because we've got UNCC right here in Charlotte. We've got a major international university that um, I want to tap into. And I want to see these students come here. Because Hope Covenant is, we're not just building a system. We're not just building a corporate entity. We're building a place where people can have an encounter with the Lord. And that can come into a church that is Holy Spirit inspired. And see Holy Spirit forever changes. This is all about encounter with God in this room. And so college students need this really bad. And, and it's kind of a, I had a college ministry at a church prior that I worked at, and we called it EPIC. And somebody asked me, is that an acronym? What does it stand for? I said, yeah. It just flew out of my mouth. It wasn't really an acronym. But I said, yeah, it stands for Extinct People in Church. It's the college and career group. And we need to see them back in church. Can I get an amen? amen. Well, I want to close with three things that I'm asking every one of you to do. I want to ask every person in this room to commit to doing three things. And the first one is we need to pray for this generation. In fact, I want to encourage you just in, in general that this year, 
I, I know I encourage you with the word, the word, the word, the word, read the word. And yes, we need to read the word. It's the manual. You need to do that in which we all follow as Christians. But guys, there needs to be time on our knees between us and Jesus, because if my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, God will unleash amazing things. He will do amazing things in our prayer closet. If you don't have time where you're just in your prayer closet praying and then listening for Holy Spirit and what he wants to direct for you each day, I want to encourage you to get into the habit and the practice of doing that. So we need to pray for this generation. I want this generation to love God. I want this generation to love the church. I want this generation to love me. I want them to love leadership. This generation needs to not only feel your prayers, but see your prayer. I want to encourage you with your kids, guys. Your kids need to see you praying. Man, it was powerful when I was a kid. And I, my parents, uh, they had this bedroom in Jersey when we lived in New Jersey where they had this little, these two little chairs. They were wicker chairs. I'll never forget them because I would get splinters on them all the time. And uh, they had these little cushions, and then they had a little coffee table in front of it. And my parents would pray together every single day in unity in those two chairs. And I would hear the prayers pouring into that room, and man, it changed my life. They didn't know it. They weren't praying for me. But I was touched by the power of God that I was experiencing in the room next door. And I would sometimes press my ear against the door because I was nosy and wanted to hear, what are they praying? And then I would hear them talk about the things of God, and I wanted to know what they were talking about because I wanted to grow up and be just like them where I carried the power of God. I wanted it so bad. They inspired me so bad, I planted a church in Huntersville, North Carolina, because I was inspired by two godly parents who raised me up, and when I grow old, I will not depart from it. We just talked about that. It'll happen for all of our kids, but we need to demonstrate this, not just talk about it. Show them, don't snow them. That's what we need to do. And here are some prayer points for this generation. Number one, I want to pray for them to fear God and revere God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Psalms 34, 11 says, come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. With the fear of the Lord comes favor, riches, and blessing. When this generation learns to fear the Lord, they will see the supernatural benefits of walking with the Lord, and we need to baptize this in prayer. Number two is we need to pray for this generation to be surrounded by divine favor. I need to tell you, divine favor changed my life. When I started experiencing things as a teenager that I knew I didn't deserve, but because I was walking with the Lord, he would open up doors for me, and I was experiencing his prosperity and his blessing. By the way, prosperity is not a bad word. The Lord wants us to prosper. Now, I'm not talking about hyper-prosperity. I wasn't driving a Bentley. <laughs> I wanted to. I had the picture on my, on my, on my little billboard. My little, I had a little cork board in my room. I had a picture of one. But the Lord would open doors, and I knew I was in places I didn't deserve and I didn't earn, but I was walking with the Lord, and I was watching his blessing. Every time I tithed, I would see raises and things happen, and I would go, my Lord, this really works. We need a generation that experiences that. We need young businessmen and entrepreneurs and businesswomen to experience the supernatural favor of God as a result of walking with him. So Psalms 5 verse 12, surely, Lord... You bless the righteous, you surround them with your favor as with the shield. In other words, your favor, it protects and it shelters. 
Nothing will encourage a generation more than seeing God bless them. God will supernaturally push a righteous generation forward in the right direction. And that's why we've got to encourage our kids with walking the straight and narrow and instructing them in that. Number three is pray for God to bring them godly friends and influences. I say this, show me their friends and I'll show you their future. Good company is so key. This is why, guys, we need church and we need community. It needs to be a priority for each of us. In this scripture, it says bad companies. In scripture, it says bad company corrupts good morals. But the same is true that uh, I believe good company will corrupt bad morals. I used to say that as a youth pastor all the time, guys, good company, it'll corrupt whatever bad morals you're experiencing. Get around good godly people. So let's fight for this generation in the prayer closet. Number two is we need to prioritize church. You guys mind if I just say it straight today? Is that all right? It's time for us to stop. And guys, I'm not, I'm not heaping condemnation or guilt on anybody that's watching online. But I'm calling all bathrobe Christians during COVID, all, all Christians who are sitting there at home in your skivvies, in your room, watching online, I'm calling you back to church. Can I get an Amen. Because there's something that happens in this room, and I'm going to give you some verses to make it legal. When you get into the temple, it's scriptural that we need to go into the temple. I want to encourage you to make this a weekly habit, not an every other week habit. Guys, schedule things around Sundays. You need to be here. Your family needs to be here. So I'm calling all bathroom Christians back to church. Bathrobe Christians, bathroom Christians, my Lord. Those two, I'm calling all bathroom Christians back to church. Come use our bathrooms. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. My God, Liz is like, you give him 10 minutes, he's going to do that. Hebrews 10, verse 20, come back, Holy Spirit, verses 24 to 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Guys, we're in, I believe, again, we're, I believe this day approaching. I believe we're in it. Here's what Jesus said in Luke 4, verse 16. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. Check this out. As was his custom, he would stand, he would, he would stand up and he would read. If it was the custom of Jesus, it needs to be our custom. Amen. If we read about this Jesus coming into the temple weekly to study the scriptures and to study his word, we need to do this. All you guys who are sitting in the church are like, you're preaching to the choir. No, I get it. But guys, we need this to be, a, we need to bring back the discipline because it's a discipline. It's a choice of this being a weekly thing that we habitually do that we can see an encounter with God in this room. We need to grow the church. Hebrews 10 verses 23 to 25 let us hold unswervingly. I want to say this. Some of you guys are swervingly. We need to hold on unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. Amen? And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. In other words, guys, it's not my message 
necessarily. It's about community. It's about the hug that you get in the foyer when we turn and we greet each other. It's about the person that you're doing life with in community. It was community that spurred on Pentecost in the book of Acts. It was us doing life together and iron sharpening iron and us having conflicts. Can I say this? Relationship is not a true relationship until you have a conflict and you work through it. All the married people said amen. Yeah, we're going to have conflicts with each other. In church, we're going to have people that rub us the wrong way. Are you loving them through the moment and allowing you yourself to maybe even develop a love for them that turns into a deep relationship? I had some friends that, that I, they hated each other. Two couples, they, they came from the same church, and then they were, ended up being in our church. And they literally, these couples, hated each other. And there were schisms, and, and there were arguments, and there were fights, and they would come to me as their pastor, and I'm like, for God's sake, just grow up. And they actually ended up smooth, and the Lord worked on, on both these couples' hearts, and they actually ended up doing life together, and they are now inseparable best friends as a result of them working through their issues. And I can tell you there's no schism ever going to come between them. The same could be true for us, even in our marriage. Guys, Liz and I, we can tell you, of course, there's many people married a lot longer than us. But it's not all just, you know, roses and unicorns. I can tell you that right now. There are moments where I wake up and my bad breath, you know, just <laughs> good morning. It's going to happen. But we got to work through this stuff. But we need to not miss church and do life together, work through our issues. So I'm asking you to pray I'm asking you to prioritize, and then this third point, I'm asking you to participate. Participate in the development of a younger generation that's looking up to you. Let's find someone younger that we can pour into, that we can mentor. I'm kind of getting excited. I'm, I'm turning 40 in June, <laughs> um, leaving the 30s, going into the 40s. I can tell you there's something that's happening in me. I'm sure it's happened to many of you who have turned 40 before me where there's a lot of I just don't care anymore what you think. And it's a good thing. It's a, it's a thing where it's like instead of living to impress or instead of living with the thought of what does this person think, it's becoming very much God, what do you think first? Which is that happens over time. The Lord has a way of, of smoothening out those rough edges. And I, I'm, I'm just, I'm enjoying this moment, and I'm enjoying telling your generation, these are the potholes that I hit, and here are the potholes you want to avoid. And they need us to do that. I called my dad about something the other day, some advice I needed with banks and some things I'm doing. I'm going, Dad, and I thank the Lord when I hung up the phone. Thank God I have that relationship with my dad that I can say, how do I avoid this ditch? Well, guys, we're, we're stepping into this moment, millennials, I got a word of knowledge for you. You're stepping into the moment where you're becoming the moms and dads, if you're not already. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about in like physical mom and dads. I'm talking about spiritual mothering and fathering. You're stepping into that moment. It's kind of scaring me right now as I'm stepping into ministry and I'm seeing a lot of pastors that I grew up with that I'm very familiar with that I've looked up to that are starting to retire. And it's, this never stops, does it? I'm starting to realize that I'm stepping into the moment where I looked up to them when they were in the moment that I'm in right now that there's a generation that's doing that with me. And it, it, you know, with great responsibility, uh, with, with this moment comes great responsibility and I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get sober-minded in this. And I want to encourage you, we need to be sober-minded in this moment. It's a, it's a fun thing. It's a joyous time. 
but we need to be sober-minded. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14, but as you continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, but as for you, sorry, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know from those who you have learned it. So in other words, I have learned things from my mentors and now it's time for me to do the same. To whom much is given, much is required. So let's take what we've learned and let's mentor this generation. Let's be an example to them. This generation doesn't need simply wisdom, but they need our consistency. Consistency is real key. And that's what I loved. Again, I, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm touting dad. Uh, yeah, mom's not here, but you guys were so consistent in your love and your tenacity for the Lord. Things weren't always perfect, but you guys pursued God, and that consistency of your pursuit of the Lord has forever changed me, and I want to do the same for my little baby that's coming September 13th, 2022. Man, that's fun to say. It's scary, too. It's really scary. I don't do poopy diapers, but I'm, I'm about to. I'm about to. Guys, it's coming like uh, Kristen's in the back going, oh, no, you do poopy diapers. Oh, no. Yeah, you do. Yeah, three in the morning, poopy diaper. Prophet, prophetic word from Kristen to me. Titus 2, verse 6 to 7, for all of you that are watching online in the podcast, thank you. Simply encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity and seriousness. I said this last week that what really constitutes a deep message is not really great teaching, but can I live this teaching out? Because that's deep. Not just talking it, but walking it. So for a generation that wants us to fight for them, we need to be an example. We need to be available. Psalms 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. We just talked about this during the baby dedication. It's like, man, this moment that I'm in right now is an ordained moment for right now. Live in it. And that's why I am, guys, I got to tell you, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter are getting, I was watching my phone, if your phone will give you a weekly report of how much time you spend on it, and my phone this week was like, where you been all week? I mean, that's literally what it was saying this morning as I was looking at the numbers, and I was like, okay, Lord, I hope you're pleased by this, because I'm trying to live in a moment with Holy Ghost and not the holy cow iPhone that takes me out of the moment of the Holy Ghost every time I look at it. Can I get an Amen. We need to be positive with this generation. I want to say this for those of you that are stepping into mentoring roles. You need to encourage a 10 times more. Every, every time you rebuke, there should be 10 encouragements. We need to encourage and affirm. Remember, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. We need to be kind and encouraging and affirming so that when that random rebuke comes, we've set it up and there's, we've, we have all this investment. When we go to, you know, my dad taught me this. He's like, hey, you're going to make a withdrawal from the bank. That's cool, but you better have made deposits before you make the withdrawal, right? Because one plus one is two. Okay, so we need to make sure that we do that, that we're making constant deposits of encouragement and affirmation. Because I will tell you with every generation that when you affirm, it is the best kind of advice you could possibly give. Even your rebuke should at some level be affirming because we love them. Amen? 
So speak life and speak affirmation and speak faith over a generation. Speak it to your kid's future. When your kid's being a maniac, you can say, I thank you, Lord, that this little maniac is, is not a maniac, but they are sane and they are peaceful and they are, you start speaking life over them instead of speaking death over your kids because there's power of life and death in the tongue. And they're hearing your word curses, and they're hearing your blessings. So let's make sure we're blessing and not cursing our kids. Do not speak word curses over your kids. Romans 4, verse 17, I'm going to end with this verse. Abraham is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. So, when I see a cousin or when I see a, 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 a sibling or somebody that is a friend of mine that's not walking with the Lord, I call things that are not as though they were. In your prayer closets, we need to call things that are not as though they were. This, has, this is not just even for a generation. This is anything that you're believing God. Faith is believing things that are not seen. So you don't see them in the natural. But we're going to call this over a generation. So we need to prophesy in faith that we are going to call things that are not. Romans 4.17. You could even say that. Quote the scripture in your prayer closet. I call things that are not as though they are in the mighty name of Jesus. Are you with me this morning? So I want to just do this before we wrap up. I want to just turn to prayer. And I want to ask this, Father, I'm asking you this morning. I'm asking you for your power, and I'm asking you that you would release a Nehemiah spirit on this church in the name of Jesus, that we would rebuild, that we wouldn't complain about what we see in the natural, but call things that are not as though they are, that we would activate this like Nehemiah, that we would be a church that rebuilds the broken walls. That we would rebuild godly traditions and godly habits. And I ask for your favor on everything that is broken. And I thank you, Lord, that you will convince and convict and activate faith. And we apply this in the mighty name of Jesus. That as we spend time in your, in your prayer closet and marinate, that you, would, that you would turn hearts in the name of Jesus. I thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus. And I want to say this to some of you that are here this morning. I want to just go prophetic for a minute. Some of you have been seeking God for some things that you're frustrated about, some obstacles that you see in front of you. And I believe the Lord is waiting for some of you. You're waiting on God, and God is waiting on you to take a step of faith and step out and do it. I was sensing that on the way here this morning, I was asking God for some things and I said, Lord, I'm just waiting, I can't wait. And God said to me, he, as he often does, he said, Adam, I'm waiting on you. And when you do this, I'll do this. See, the Lord, he makes deals with us. That's how he is. So I wanna encourage some of you that are asking God to move on a specific area. I don't know if it's over your family or over a, a lost loved one or over, uh, over maybe your business, whatever it is. Be obedient because you never know if that obedient step is going to activate exactly what it is that God wants to do. And so, Father, I pray for obedience over every person here this morning. Lord, I thank you that you're activating a boldness over every person here this morning. And I thank you, God, for the things this year that you're calling us into. 
We thank you for our kids, and we thank you for this generation. And we call life over them in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for your goodness, and we thank you for your greatness. And we thank you, Lord, for for kids that not only know about you, but they know you with an intimate relationship in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that, would just shout amen. Listen, I'm looking forward to next week with uh, Keith Collins, who'll be here as our guest speaker. I want to encourage you to come. We'll be worshiping. This was an amazing day in the presence of the Lord. Thank you guys for being here. We'll see you next week. Thank those of you that were watching online. Good to have you guys. Can we give God a shout of praise this morning? You guys are dismissed. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc, and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.